48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. Speakers at a seminar on Beijing's 14th five-year plan urge Hong Kong to grasp the opportunities offered by the mainland. A second person dies after yesterday's horror smash in Taipo when a taxi hit a group of people on a traffic island. And a leading virologist warns that Hong Kong's goal of zero COVID-19 cases isn't sustainable in the long run. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says Hong Kong's development must be tightly linked with the mainland because it's the key to the city's continued success. She was speaking as a delegation from Beijing visits the SAR to introduce the 14th National Five-Year Plan. Mrs Lam says the plan will bring once-in-a-lifetime opportunities for Hong Kong and it shows Beijing's support for the SAR. She's confident the city can implement the plan now the national security law and electoral overhauls have brought positive developments. She spoke for an interpreter. We need to maintain our competitiveness and we need to achieve prosperity and stability. We will implement the overall jurisdiction of the central authorities over Hong Kong. We will integrate our development into that of the country. We have to ward off external forces in interfering in Hong Kong's affairs. We do need to strengthen education of basic law as well as our constitution. We also have to enhance the sense of belonging. We have a huge responsibility, but I appeal to different sectors of our society to work towards it. Also speaking through an interpreter, the director of Beijing's liaison office, Luo Huining, also highlighted the importance for Hong Kong to grasp the opportunities offered by the mainland. Hong Kong must have a thorough understanding of the new development concept of the country so that we can build a new and comprehensive development pattern. The spirit of rejuvenating the great Chinese nation is the trend that cannot be stopped. For Hong Kong, the greatest opportunity of development lies with the mainland, with implementation of the 14th five-year plan and also the long-range objectives until 2035. We are given endless opportunities and Hong Kong must grasp these opportunities. A second person has died after being seriously injured in a car accident in Taipo yesterday when a taxi rammed into a group of people on a pedestrian island on Kwongfuk Road. A 59-year-old man was certified dead at the scene and a 63-year-old woman who was critically injured died in Tunmun Hospital this morning. Eight other people were injured in the accident, including a four-year-old boy who's in critical condition. The taxi driver has been arrested for dangerous driving, causing death. A prominent virologist says Hong Kong needs to seriously assess the best way forward because its goal of achieving zero COVID-19 cases isn't sustainable in the long run. Professor Malik Peris from the University of Hong Kong said the zero infection goal was desirable when the city had no countermeasures available last year. But he said society will eventually have to learn to live with the virus and that's why vaccination is so important. I'm not suggesting that we abandon zero COVID today. What I'm saying is we need to signal to the populace that this is coming, that we will have to learn to live with COVID and that those who are not vaccinated had better get vaccinated as soon as possible. At the moment, there is no perception of threat because there is no COVID circulating in Hong Kong. But I think what we have to convince people is this is not going to be realistic in the long term. I mean, certainly not with Delta. Professor Paris's comments come one day after a government minister in New Zealand admitted that its elimination approach to coronavirus may no longer be viable. Chris Hipkin said the Delta variant posed big questions about how to deal with the disease in the long term. 
Infectious disease expert Joseph Tsang says the government has to have a centralised quarantine system in place for thousands of domestic helpers who are expected to start flying in from the Philippines soon. At least 3,000 fully inoculated Filipino helpers may be allowed to come to work here as early as next week if they have vaccination records. Dr Tsang says there's a limited risk of spreading the coronavirus because they'll be tested repeatedly during quarantine and he praised the plan to designate quarantine hotels for helpers. Why is it better to designate quarantine hotels? In case there are confirmed cases, it would be easier for us to conduct contact tracing. In terms of resource allocation, for example, in collecting specimen, cleaning or monitoring the hotel's facilities, especially ventilation, we can make sure the work is highly centralized. Meanwhile, no new coronavirus cases have been found after 570 residents in a Chun Wan building were tested overnight. The building was locked down for the testing, which finished at 6.45 this morning. A 56-year-old man who's being treated as an imported case had been staying at Block 1 of Bolsek Mansion during the 21-day incubation period of the virus. The man flew to Dubai last Sunday and tested positive on his return on Friday. Business lecturer Simon Lee from the Chinese University says he believes the government can afford another round of spending vouchers, but urged it to tweak the $36 billion voucher scheme so people spend more of their own cash. He cited the example of Macau, which gave out electronic cash vouchers only after people spent a portion of their own money. Mr Lee said Hong Kong's consumption figures are still below their pre-pandemic levels despite the vouchers, but stressed that they're better than nothing. It also depends on whether people would spend more than the cash voucher. I'm rather pessimistic. Some people would spend the money the government gives them, but would they spend more than that? Maybe not a lot. So the effect on boosting the economy would be limited. But I support rolling out one more round. Hong Kong's capable of doing so. As long as the pandemic isn't over, we still need to boost the economy. The effect may be limited, but at least it can improve sentiment. Civil Service Secretary Patrick Nip has dismissed allegations of a possible conflict of interest after the former head of the Civil Aviation Department, Lee Tian Chu, went to work for the Hong Kong International Aviation Academy. Mr Nip said Mr Lee was an ex-officio member representing the government in talks with the airport authority about setting up the academy, but wasn't involved in talks on recruitment or salaries at the academy. He added that Mr Lee had followed regulations by seeking bureau approval for his new job and it had been granted after careful consideration. The US Vice President Kamala Harris has arrived in Singapore for the first stop on a tour of Southeast Asia. She's due to meet the city-state's President Halima Yaakob and Prime Minister Lee Sien Lung today and later visit a US warship at the Changi Naval Base. The Taliban have said hundreds of their fighters are heading for the Panjshir Valley, north of Kabul, after local leaders refused to hand it over peacefully. Earlier, the region's powerful militia leader, Ahmed Massoud, said he was ready for talks to avert a civil war, so long as the Taliban formed an inclusive, decentralised government. Until a week ago, Amrullah Saleh was the first vice president of Afghanistan. He now considers himself the legitimate caretaker president and is allied with Ahmed Massoud. Mr Saleh said he would not accept the Taliban's vision for the country. 
President Biden says U.S. troops have expanded the perimeter around Kabul airport as part of efforts to speed up evacuations from Afghanistan. Speaking at the White House, Mr. Biden said the Taliban had cooperated with the move. Despite criticism of the operation, Mr. Biden said there was no way to carry out such an evacuation without causing pain and loss. We're working hard and as fast as we can to get people out. That's our mission. That's our goal. And our determination to get every American citizen home and to evacuate our Afghan allies is unwavering. We continue to see not only the enormous scope and scale of the effort, we will see the individual lives that are affected, the families that are desperate to get home, the frightened Afghans who aren't sure what to do. To state the obvious, it's heartbreaking. Mr. Biden also said he's still planning to finalize the evacuation by August the 31st, but left the door open to extending the deadline if necessary. The number of people killed in flash floods in the U.S. state of Tennessee has risen to more than 20. Rescue workers are continuing to look for dozens who are still missing. Record rainfall of more than 40 centimetres has caused widespread flooding. Rising waters uprooted trees, tore through homes and carried away cars. Buddy Fraser is the mayor of Waverly, one of the worst affected towns. I've been around a long time and I've uh, been, through, been through a lot of events here. This one uh, really took me back yesterday. It really did. It, it, this is bad. This is bad. Got a number of people that's affected, a number of lives that's lost, uh, the property that's been lost, uh, residential housing that's in a short supply to begin with. Uh, we've got some people that's going to be hurting for a long time tonight. Meanwhile, heavy sustained rainfall and winds of more than 60 kilometres an hour are continuing to hit the northeast of the United States as Tropical Storm Henri moves inland. On the coast of Rhode Island, where the storm made landfall, 100,000 homes are without power. President Biden said he had approved emergency aid for Rhode Island, Connecticut and New York. To business news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,283. That's 434 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $95 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.85 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 17 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 62 cents. Sports now, we start in the English Premier League, where Romelu... Romelu Lukaku made a sparkling second debut for Chelsea. The Belgians scored the opening goal in a 2-0 win over Arsenal at the Emirates. Chelsea boss Thomas Tuchel was very happy with Lukaku's performance. We know his profile, of course, but we did not give him too much information uh, how to play for us. We wanted to see what he can do. He's, he's, uh, he, he, lo- he knows the game, he loves the game and he has his strengths and, and, and confidence. And from now we can, we can start to, to, to work on the details. But of course, we are very happy that he uh, could st- score so early. He set up some other chances. He was always dangerous. And, and yeah, it gives something to our game that we can play very, very direct and to the last line. He can protect balls, and that's very, very good. Chelsea have won two in a row without conceding to start the season, but it's the complete opposite for Arsenal. The Gunners have lost their first two games without scoring a goal. Mikel Arteta's side were booed off the pitch by some of the home fans at half-time. I don't think the club in their history faced something uh, like this, but it's what is coming, and, and we have to face the challenge. Uh, it's about uh, fighting against those moments. Uh, the league, the season, the table is not decided in, in August at all. It's a lot to happen. The worst thing you can do is throw the towel. It doesn't go with me, it doesn't go with the history of this football club, and certainly we're not going to do that. 
Deli Alley's first half penalty was the only goal of the game in Tottenham's victory at Wolves. That's back-to-back 1-0 wins for Spurs to start their Premier League campaign. Their captain, Harry Kane, made his first appearance of the season, coming on as a second-half substitute. Southampton and Manchester United played to a one-all draw at St Mary's. An own goal by Fred put the Saints in front before Mason Greenwood equalised for the visitors after the break. United boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was disappointed not to get all three points. You feel you can get three points on a game like this, uh, on a day like this, because I thought we, uh, OK, the first couple of minutes we weathered the storm a little bit and then I thought we played some very, very good football until uh, they scored. Then we lost our uh, momentum, lost our heads a little bit, came back into the game and you, you feel uh, start of second half we, we're going to score goals and after we scored we had another five minutes of good spell and then we the last 20 minutes was just a... Ding dong. We lost our way the last 20 minutes. In Italy, Juventus had to settle for a draw against Udinese, but there was a victory for Jose Mourinho's Roma. The BBC's Paul Serras has the results. Juventus threw away a two-goal lead at Udinese in a two-all draw. Paolo Dybala and Juan Cuadrado gave Juventus a two-goal advantage at half-time, but second-half strikes from Roberto Pereira and Gerard Deulafeu rescued a point for Udinese. Napoli had Nigerian international striker Victor Osimhen sent off, but second-half goals from Lorenzo Insigne and Elif Elmas gave them a 2-0 home win against Venezia. Roma beat Fiorentina 3-1 at the Stadio Olimpico to give new boss Jose Mourinho a win. French midfielder Jordan Vertu scored twice and Armenian international Henrik Mkhitaryan got the other. In Spain, champions Atletico Madrid maintained their perfect start of the season with a 1-0 win over Elche. Real Madrid drew 3-3 at Levante. Gareth Bale scored for Real for the first time since 2019. In golf, Sweden's Anna Nordqvist shot a final round 69 to win the Women's Open at Carnoustie. The BBC's Ian Carter has the details. Anna Nordquist's nerve held commendably to secure her third major title and first Women's Open crown. The world number 54 from Sweden parred home after a birdie at the 14th to finish at 12 under par. In a tense finish, playing partner Nana Kurtz Madsen double bogeyed the last, having shared the lead on the final tee. Georgia Hall had set the clubhouse lead, the British Stars 67, taking her to 11 under, a tally matched by Madeleine Sagstrom and Lizette Salas. Nordquist, though, edged home, nearly holding her birdie attempt at the last and then tapping in for a glorious victory. New Zealand's football is reportedly looking at dropping the all-whites nickname used by the national men's team as part of a diversity drive. The nickname refers to the team's white playing strip. And finally, the weather forecast, mainly fine but very hot with isolated showers this afternoon. The outlook, sunny periods and one or two showers in the next few days. Currently, the observatory, 31 degrees Celsius, humidity at 73%. And please be advised, the very hot weather warning is still in force. New sports and weather from RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me Noreen Mayer on this Monday afternoon. Monday the 23rd of August is today's date. Many thanks once again to James Ross sitting in for Phil Whelan for today's morning brew. Of course a big thank you to James Ross and also Carolyn Wright, Todd and also Billy sitting in for me for the last couple of weeks while I've been not so well. But I am back alive and well. Well, well enough to be back in the studio and with you guys. It's great to be back. Thank you so much to our great team. And uh, on today's 123 show, we'll be kickstarting the week with a chat with fitness coach Nathan Solier. Because as we always say, health is wealth. And we'll be chatting about the benefits of a workout.